welcome back to the staff meeting Devo portion of our podcast. Today, Pastor Tom shares the word with us during our staff meeting. We hope that you enjoy it. Check it out. So uh, I started um, a series like six weeks ago now, and I'm finally getting a chance to revisit it uh, for staff meeting, is um, I wanted to spend time looking at different builders from the Bible. So this really kind of started in the origin of this was when we reopened, I mean, it's back, you know, sort of close to 18 months ago now. I just sort of had in my mind, and the word that kept coming up as we were talking about team members that in a positive way were adaptable, and they were picking up new positions, and they were starting new ministry opportunities, and you know, there was the registration team, which we don't have anymore, but that was a brand new thing, and so everyone that was a part of that was doing a brand new position. Church online was completely new, and so there was people that were learning new stuff, and were just, whatever was needed to get done was getting done by people that were faithfully building the church, and so this phrase builders kept coming up, and it's continued to come up in conversation as we've talked positively about a number of our team members and people that serve the church, this idea of someone being a builder. And so I wanted to continue this idea and hopefully sort of share some thoughts. And it's been interesting for me to look at some of these guys. But I want to put this to you as our staff and as leaders that may be listening to the podcast is that our job as staff and as leaders is to give the builders everything they need to do a good job building. Our job as staff and leaders is to give the builders everything they need to do a good job building and to help people who aren't builders become the most passionate builders ever. That's our responsibility, is to resource people who are building and help people that aren't building start building. So last time I got a chance to talk about this for week one of who knows how long this series is going to be, I talked about Noah and the process of him building the ark. And today I want to start talking about Moses. Now Moses is not associated typically with being a builder or building in as much as he is about the escape from Egypt, as he is about passing through the Red Sea. But the construction of the tabernacle it takes up a decent portion of the book of Exodus. So the tabernacle is essentially a tent that housed the Ark of the Covenant. And people would come to the tabernacle to worship regularly, especially for the annual festivals. This is where the priests would carry out the Lord's instructions for sacrifice and purification. And up until the time that David and then Solomon would plan and complete the temple in Jerusalem, this was where that functionality happened, was in this tabernacle, which in this very ornate, very extravagant tent that was built up. And there was a whole courtyard around it and all that stuff. It was a place where the Ark of the Covenant was housed. But it was all set up so that the people could gather there and worship. So the timeline of this, if you read Exodus, is that, Moses sort of puts to the people, are you willing to agree to the Lord's terms of the covenant? Now, it starts in Exodus 20 with the reading of the Ten Commandments. And then there's a number of chapters that then sort of start to look at, you know, and also do this and also do this. And you have to live like this. And this is how you can be different from the nations around you. This is how it's going to go. Do you accept the terms of the covenant? And the people say, yes. Turn the page. Next chapter. Now we're going to build something. Are we going to do this? Are we in this ride? Am I going to be your God? Are you going to be my people? Yes. Okay, let's build. That's the pattern of how it goes. You see this very clearly in Exodus. But I wanted to point out a couple of things that I think speak to us as leaders, I think will hopefully be helpful for our teams as we think about this. A few qualities that we see in this process with Moses, and this covers a big chunk of scripture, so I'm trying to be careful not to over-exaggerate things or try to take things out of context. So roll with me as I share this out with you. But a couple of things that are easy to see is, firstly, there's a big vision. There's a big vision. The promise was that God's presence would reside in the tabernacle. Exodus 25, 8. Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. A holy sanctuary so I can live among them. 
Now, as New Testament Pentecostal believers, it's incredibly easy for us to undervalue the significance of this. If the Lord spoke to Megan and I, this is the way that this was helpful for me as I was getting ready. If the Lord spoke to Megan and I and said, the only time, the only opportunity you two are going to experience my presence is if you build a shed in your backyard, we'd book it to Home Depot to be able to build something so that we, if, if that's what we're told, you're going to experience my presence only in this building, this time, this place. That's it. We'd be at Home Depot. We'd be buying them out of planks of wood. We'd be doing whatever we need to do. If the Lord gave specific instructions, we would follow each and every instruction so that we could have the right shed in the right spot in the yard, functioning how it needs to be so that we could experience the presence of God. As New Testament believers, we of course know, and one of the great things that Jesus achieved was that we can freely experience the presence of God. That's a wonderful, mighty blessing. But that we should all take that incredibly valuable reality of being a New Testament believer and remember that in the Old Testament, that was not the case. So the promise that God's presence was going to dwell in the tabernacle is an enormous vision. You are going to be able to come. You are going to be able to come and worship, lift me up. There's a whole system, a whole setup of sacrifices and rituals so that you can freely enjoy my presence. That is no small thing. That is an enormous vision that the Lord was sharing with Moses and that he acted upon. This is the picture of a great big vision. Second thing, Mosey, uh, Moses, Moses, like, that's what I call my son, my gosh. Mosey Mo or monkey boy. It goes a few different ways. But Moses, he rallied others. He rallied others. From Exodus 35, verse 10, Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. Come, all of you. Come on, everybody. Let's get going. I'm not doing this by myself. I'm going to need some people. I'm going to need some of you that have stood around doing nothing to start doing some stuff. Come on. Let's get going. Come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen. Now, um, I, I had a wonderful experience uh, when I was probably uh, 2021 20, when I first started reading John Maxwell. Now, I'm a broken record. You've heard me talk. I love John Maxwell's stuff. If ever a new book of his comes out, I instantly get it. Read it quickly. I think I've shared Maxwell books with gifts with most of you, if not all of you. L really love John Maxwell. I appreciate him. But it started when I was 20. And the pastors in my church where I was a part of back in the UK, the leaders that I was directly working with, they were all reading his stuff because it was like brand new and hot off the press back then. So they were all reading this stuff. And so I started picking up and started getting into it. And my eyes were opened to leadership in ways that I'd never experienced before. I mean, I was only 20. But as I'm starting this leadership journey to be exposed to some of this stuff, now, it just so happens that I'm rereading um, a John Maxwell book now, Developing the Leader Within You. That was the first one that I read. And so I'm rereading that now. And there's some simple stuff that is so essential for us to get as leaders, as people that want to build with kingdom initiative and with kingdom passion, is there's some key things that Maxwell shares. The first thing is that we can't do this by ourselves. We can't do this by ourselves. The adage is, a leader without followers is just someone taking a walk. That's one of the things I read in Maxwell years ago when I was 20 years old. A leader without followers is just someone taking a walk. Another thing I read from Maxwell, people will only follow a, tit a title a short distance. A title will only get you so far. Being put in a position of leadership will only get you so far. Having the word shift manager on your badge will only get you so far with people. People only care about what you know when they know how much you care. And these things from Maxwell, again, I'm giving him a lot of credit, rightly so. It opened my eyes to a lot of the obvious things. To be part of anything worthwhile, I couldn't do it alone. We see this pictured in Moses. He rallied people together. It wasn't just Moses being in the tabernacle. Okay, well, I guess I better get my tool bag. Rallied people together. Didn't do it by himself. 
And John Maxwell, if you've read any of his stuff or if you heard him speak, he's very quick to make sure he credits his experience as a pastor, decades of pastoring, and his understanding of the Bible. That is his foundation for any of his expertise on leadership. And examples like the one we just read from Moses is something that he points to often. So I think this basic leadership reality that we need to be able to rally people together is something we should never lose sight of. We shouldn't underestimate this, either as leaders or as staff, or as we're helping other leaders work with the team, we cannot underestimate the importance of being able to rally people to join us in the building. As a church, working with volunteers, this is exponentially higher than a corporate environment where people are dependent on a paycheck. When we're asking people and we're casting a big vision and we're rallying people together and we're inviting people to join us on this journey of building something worthwhile, it's a lot tougher than if we're offering paychecks and pay raises and bonus systems. We're asking people to buy into this because it has eternal value. That's no small thing. But it means as we're kingdom-minded, as we're trying to build the church, trying to do what the Lord's put in front of us, that idea of we need a big vision, we need to rally people together is no small thing. It's incredibly significant. It brings us to the third thing. There is an invitation to sacrifice, an invitation to sacrifice. Uh, Exodus 36, 6. So Moses gave the command and this message was sent throughout the camp. Men and women don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. We have enough. We need all the resources. We need the equipment. We need the stuff. We need the wood. We need the furnishings. We need the jewelry. We need all the metals to melt down. We need all the stuff to build the tabernacle. Finally, we got enough. We got enough. It's time to stop. The people will stop bringing their sacred offerings, their contributions more than enough to complete the whole project. For us, there's a temptation. Rather than putting forward the invitation to sacrifice, there's the temptation to look at it as we don't want to step on your toes. And it's important to remember that sacrifice is giving up something now so that you gain something better later. We're not asking people to waste something. When we ask people to join us in building, we're not asking them to waste a Saturday morning. We're not asking them to waste their time. We're asking them to give up something to gain something better. It's an invitation to gain something better. It's not, let's just waste our time together. The book of Proverbs says that those that refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Jesus said, it's better to give than it is to receive. And Luke and I are reading a book right now about having strong, healthy volunteer teams. And one of the practical uh, pieces of advice that they give is make it easy to say yes and easy to say no. When we're extending these invitations to sacrifice, it's not coming with this weird, heavy pressure, but it's easy to say yes and it's easy to say no. And our responsibility is to present the big vision, is to rally people, and then give them an opportunity to uh, to sacrifice. It's not to coerce, not to manipulate. But when we offer people an extension to come build with us, we're giving them an opportunity to sacrifice, not to waste. We shouldn't be apologetic in extending that invitation. We're not asking you to just spin some wheels and get busy. We're asking, come on, we're building something that matters here. You get to be a part of it. It's better to give than receive. You refresh others, you will be refreshed. This is what the Lord says. This is something awesome worth doing. But it takes sacrifice and being willing to give up something now so that we gain something later. The joy of being able to see someone get saved because of what we were doing and what we were a part of, there's no joy like that. Seeing someone grow in their faith, there's no other joy like that. But it takes sacrifice on the front end. But we're not asking people just to waste their time or waste their finances or waste their efforts and energy. We're asking people to sacrifice with us because something great is on the other side of that sacrifice. Fourth thing, multiplied. Moses multiplied. The Lord has filled, I'm going to butcher these Hebrew names, Bezalel, I'll go with that. 
Bezalel, with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft, and the Lord has given both him and here's another beauty. Oh, Halieb. Uh-huh. So, okay, this is, this is a real legend right here. Son of Ahisamahak of the tribe of Dan. The ability to teach their skills to... The ability... The guy from the tribe of Dan. But here's the key bit. The Lord has given these people the ability to teach their skills to others. That's what we read here. So he talks about these master craftsmen, these people that are experts in their field, that are able to help with the construction, these builders that are specialized, that have incredible skills. But the real anchor here, it was talking about being multiplied, is that the Lord has given them the ability to teach others. That's Exodus 35, 34, the ability to teach others. Simple thought, being skilled is good. Being a multiplier is better. Being skilled is good, but leaning on the Lord for that ability to be able to teach that to others, to be able to share your expertise, your insight to others, that is invaluable because then it stops the ceiling of ministry and the ceiling of the building being us as individuals, and it means there's no longer any limit. Mm -hmm. If we can pass on what we have learned, it means there is no limit to the impact of what we have learned, what the Lord has told us, all that sort of stuff. There is no limit. It takes that off the table. Because if we have the ability to share with others, there is nothing that can slow down what God is doing. We can multiply. It's not addition. It's multiplication. It's multiplication. It is not simple addition. Annie sharing something with Trudy is not addition. That is multiplication. Because now Trudy and Annie combined can do exponentially more than we can even put our, wrap our heads around. Fifth thing, building redeems. Building redeems. Now, this is some, uh, something that only occurred to me yesterday. I was getting ready for today. These people that we talked about with the unpronounceable names <laughs> that are expert craftsmen, my question is, where did they learn this? Egypt. Oh, wow. These people that are now committed to building the Lord's work learned their craft in darkness and building an evil empire with an evil leader. And the Lord redeemed it. Building redeems. That's the only place. I, 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 Bible doesn't specify this. This is me putting a little bit of two and two together and hoping it adds to four. But I don't know how else these people would have learned how to be expert craftsmen, which is what we just read, unless they were sharpening their skills in Egypt. As part of their building. That's what we read in Exodus is that the slaves, the Hebrew slaves, they were in charge of building. So as part of this building, the evil empire, we now see that there are some people that are specialized craftsmen, which makes sense. And they learned all this by building an evil empire, but now the Lord has redeemed it. And the same skills they learned building the evil empire, they are now learning and now putting to practice building the Lord's kingdom. That was a wonderful wake up for me yesterday. God takes our experiences building outside of the kingdom of God to build the kingdom of God. Luke didn't learn sound engineering or video production in a church, but today he's using that in the kingdom of God. Lisa, working as an office manager for years. Michelle, working in corporate offices. Our trustees have learned skills to manage budgets and properties outside of a church environment. I know pastors that first learned leadership skills as drug dealers. <laughs> and God has redeemed those years for his purposes. Victims of tragedy. 
that have since turned that pain into a drive to help others find freedom. There are people on your teams that have learned skills outside of church, and now they're using them to build the church. The Lord redeems through building. He takes what he's learned outside of these four walls, outside in the kingdom, whether it's in darkness or whether it's in the secular workplace or in the marketplace or a career or college or whatever it is, and God takes it all and is able to use it to build his kingdom. Sixth thing, it wasn't Moses' plan. It wasn't Moses' plan. And so at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Just as the Lord had commanded Moses. A quick search of the phrase, just as the Lord had commanded Moses, shows up over 50 times in the books of Moses. So the first five books of the Bible um, that are traditionally written by Moses, uh, the phrase first comes up in the book of Exodus, and then from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it shows up over 50 times that the Israelites were faithful to do what Moses told them because Moses was telling them what the Lord had commanded him, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Over 50 times it's there. It's difficult to miss. It's a blunt statement, and it's repeated over and over again. We are not building our own self-centered dreams or vision. We're not building our own little kingdoms. We're not following our own little passion project. We are tapping into what the Lord is doing in this church, in our lives, and the vision that he's putting in our hearts, and the vision he's putting in the hearts of this church as a whole, and we are faithfully building towards that. And this is something that I got as I was getting ready, is that obedience is both big and small picture. Obedience is both big and small picture. And the way that I made sense of that is that obedience in the big picture is what are we building? Obedience in the small picture, how are we going to do it? If you read the account of the construction of the tabernacle, you'll see over and over again, there is unbelievable detail with how something is supposed to go, how it's supposed to be furnished, how it's supposed to be finished off, the kind of materials that are supposed to be used, unbelievable detail that is given from the Lord to Moses that he then passes on to the people. And it's that small picture, the details. Need to get this right, need to get this on point, need to do this in this measurement with this material that comes from this place. Unbelievable details, incredible small picture type stuff. When it's all said and done, they all had to agree on what the big picture was anyway. Obedience is both big picture and small picture. Our job as staff and as leaders is to give the builders everything they need to do a good job and to help people who aren't builders become the most passionate builders imaginable. Just like Moses, the example we just read, we need a big vision. We need to rally others. We need to provide an invitation to sacrifice. We need to multiply. We need to remember that building redeems and it was never Moses' plan. Lord, take something from this. Take something from the example of Moses and help teach us something. Help teach us something about leadership, about how we're to fulfill the call that you've got on this church, how we're supposed to outwork the, the dreams and the visions and the passions that you've put in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you take something from today and you give a healthy challenge to us so that we can be faithful in the call you've put on our individual lives as well as on this church. Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we believe great things are ahead for Word of Life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.